Hey everyone, I hope you are doing well. I want to give a big shout out to our new sponsor, View Arcade. They have an amazing app launching on the iOS and Android uh, stores called ViewMe. If you want to grow your YouTube, TikTok, SoundCloud, Twitch, and more, make sure to check out ViewMe when it drops on the App Store very soon. Are you ready to find out how to blaze your own trail? Welcome to the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast with your host, Jordan Mendoza. In this podcast, Jordan interviews people from around the world to find out about their journey to success. If you are looking for valuable content with actionable advice, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Jordan Mendoza. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Mendoza. And today I've got a very special guest. His name is Paul Getter. And I'm going to give him just a second to tell you who he is and what he does. Hey, Jordan. Thank you very much for having me on the show here. My name is Paul, Paul Getter, also known as the Internet Marketing Nerd. And uh, I've had the privilege of working with some of the top entrepreneurs online um, in the internet marketing field, guys like Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, A-list celebrities, Fortune 500 companies. Man, it's just been an incredible journey. Been blessed to work with some amazing people. So, again, thank you for having me on the show, bro. Appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so, on my show, what I really love to do is rewind. Right, I like to go back right. to adolescent years. Let's give the audience some context. Okay. Okay. So, where were you born and raised, and where did you live? You know, really like elementary through high school years. Okay. Okay. So uh, I was born up in Ohio, Dayton, Ohio, and came down to sunny Southwest Florida when I was about four years old and grew up here as a child. And uh, yeah, I mean, Florida's home for me. I've traveled all over the United States, for that matter, traveled around the world. But uh, Florida is my home. Um, Most of my family is down here and stuff. So yeah, this this is where I'm at. Awesome. And so when you were younger, what types of things were you into? Were you into trouble. sports oh, or trouble? trouble. <laughs> okay. So what kind of, <laughs> yeah, what kind of stuff did you get into? What kind of hobbies did you have? You know, love to give the audience some context there. Yeah. So, you know, I was probably like uh, many kids growing up that, so it was, of course, I'm probably a little bit older than you, Jordan. Well, definitely not probably, definitely older than you. And uh, this was the days before PlayStation and Game Boys and everything like that. So I was actually out riding bicycles, climbing trees and playing outside. But, you know, even at a, a year early age, uh, I didn't grow up in a, um, a wealthy home by any means. It was a, a low income home. And I remember me and my cousin, we used to uh, walk around the neighborhood with our lawnmower and just knock on doors and ask people, hey, can you mow your grass? And we would do this every Saturday. And if we could get one lawn, one person to say yes, we would mow their lawn for $5. $5. Talk about a steal. And uh, for $5. Deal of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I think when we got more advanced, we got a weed eater and we said for a dollar more, we'll do the weed eating. So great deal. But we did it for five dollars because back then we could go to the movies for two dollars. So I had two dollars to go to the movie. My cousin had two dollars and we had a dollar left over and we split that and we played um, video games in the arcade. 
So, uh, so that that's I'm kind of dating myself. Video games, arcade, and movies, two dollars. But that's what we did. So I kind of you know it was one of those things. Mom and dad didn't give me any money. We didn't have money. So my cousin and I we did whatever we could to to make some money. You know, was it whether it was delivering newspapers or mowing grass or taking people's garbage out? That's kind of the the mentality. But uh, but yeah, I mean I was you know early adolescence. I think you're you're not even really growing up to figure out what you're doing, but going into middle school and high school, I think there was probably a journey that I went through trying to figure out who I was. And so I think, you know, one phase I was, you know, doing stuff within the, how would you say, getting in trouble, uh, no, no other way, where it's just <laughs> yeah. getting in trouble. Mischief, right? Yeah, mischief. And, and, and then into high school and later years in high school, I kind of realized, look, this is going nowhere fast. And started trying to focus in on my future. And, you know, uh, young teenagers, they always try to have that. I, they have an identity crisis. Who am I? What am I? I was thinking, don't, don't worry about it. When you're so young, you'll figure out later. And I eventually embraced the fact that, hey, I am a nerd. And I liked video games. I liked computer programming and, you know, reading and academics and stuff like that. And so I embraced my, my nerdiness at a young age. That's good. Yeah. So you, you were figuring out, you know, what those, you know, what areas maybe you had strengths in, which was the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Cutting people's grass, upgrading to the weed eating. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. I, I did the same thing except yeah. for, I didn't actually do the grass cutting. I did like rake their leaves in the fall. Yeah, I grew, yeah. I grew up in Oregon. So okay. there's a ton of leaves in Oregon and lots of people don't want to rake their lawn. So I would charge them 10 bucks and I would go and, you know, mm-hmm. rake their, oh, rake their leaves, you know, $10 raking leaves, man. Yeah. $10. Get and this money. was, uh, this is probably 1995. I think I was in eighth grade. So, okay. Okay. um, you know, so, um, but yeah, no, I, I can re- definitely relate to that. Um, so you, you mentioned you're you're a nerd, right? So um, for for the audience listening, give them context into what that means for you, because I think for some people it might mean something, and for others it may go a different direction. So what are some of the hobbies that you categorize into sure. you being a nerd? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I like I collected comic books. I uh, like the Marvel superhero world. Um, like tech stuff um and uh, again as you can tell the glasses the bow tie you know maybe a certain eccentric type of style but but yeah i think that everybody has an inner nerd inside of them somewhere that it may not be as overt as me but you know it is that science techie interest where hey you know these things are are cool to you. Uh, used yeah. to be when I was growing up, that nerd was almost a an insult. But yeah. I, I I think it's I think it's cool to be a nerd. I think it's cool to be a nerd. And and when you can embrace that, I mean, there's really a freedom in it. So and I think in like high school settings, there was like the jocks, and yeah. everybody wanted to be a jock. You know, the sports athlete. I you know like my sports that I'm interested in is like high impact chess 
you know, so <laughs> that's about the most sports. So I, I had a tough um, upbringing. My dad was a basketball coach and I couldn't play basketball very well. <laughs> so, you know, that's, but tough. did, but did he make you play? He, he made me play. He made yeah, you play. I, okay. I enjoyed playing, you know, it, it, there was nothing wrong with, um, but I definitely was not a, a good athlete. I wasn't playing football. I wasn't, you know, excelling in um, sports, but I did, I did really. So I, I can tell you when I was like 10 years old, when computers were first coming out. So my mother, she actually, she got a, a computer. I think she worked at a place and someone was throwing it away or she got on some crazy deal. And she brought it home. And this is the days before hard drives and everything like that. And she put the computer on and it came with a big book where it was like all the games and, and stuff. And normally when you bought a computer back then, you'd buy the computer and then you'd buy a floppy drive along with it. You would program the games into it and then you would save it on the disk. Well, we couldn't afford the drive. So anytime we wanted to play a game, we had to turn the computer on and then we had to enter the program into the computer. We had to program it and then we could play that game. But as soon as we turned the computer off, the game was gone. It was, there, again, there was no hard drive memory or anything yeah. like that. And so when we turned it back on, we had to program the uh, game from scratch again. And wow. so at 10, 11 years old, I learned computer programming because we didn't have hard drives or a floppy drive. But I loved it. I, th I thought it was, it was fun. So, uh, so those are things nerds think that computer programming is fun versus football. <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, thinking about playing basketball and having your dad as a coach. Right. Sure. I'm sure there's got to be a lot of memories. Some are probably good. Some are probably <laughs> not so good. But what what do you what would you say to the audience? What are some lessons that your dad taught you, you know, as a player that you think has maybe translated into the business world and into your, your business and scaling your business? Yeah. So, number one, I think that sports in general can teach you a, a lot of things. And there was the discipline of practicing, working hard, working together as a team, you know, recognizing. And that's the thing, me looking at when I was young playing basketball, I personally felt that I wasn't good. But other people that when they saw, saw me play, they probably thought, oh, yeah, he's, he's halfway decent. Um, but not to forget the fact that one of my very first baskets that I made was for the other team. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember when the ball was passed to me, I started dribbling it down the court and everything like that. And I heard the crowd. The crowd was just going crazy. I heard just, rah, rah. I didn't understand what they were saying. I thought they were saying, go, go, go. But they were actually saying, no, no, no. <laughs> and so I made the basket into the wrong hoop. But, uh, but yeah, I think that sports, um, there's a lot of things that you can learn in that the, the discipline, any any type of thing that you put your that takes work and time, you got to discipline yourself to do that. You, you have to work hard. You know, there's going to be times of sweat and just 
you know, putting in the work. But the more you practice at it, uh, the better that you can become. So when it comes to business and entrepreneurship, so I played basketball for several years and I kind of like joked that I was horrible. I don't think I was the worst guy on the team, but I wasn't. Normally, it's like if your dad's the coach, you're the best kid on the team. Well, I didn't fit that role by any means. But I I think the years that I played basketball uh, as a young kid, that we had years that we were the worst team in the league. And that's pretty demoralizing. Like, you lose, lose, lose. And then we had seasons where we were the best team in the league. So I think I, I learned a lot about hey losing and being determined, keep on going. And uh, but then you also you can celebrate the wins too. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely great to experience adversity at a young age, right? Because yeah. it helps it helps prepare you for for yeah. the future. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's probably a generation growing up that they're almost kind of sheltered. Where it's you know they don't they don't experience the failures and the big um, difficulties. Of course, this year has been challenging for many people. It's messed a lot of things up. But uh, you know, often when I look at today's society, it's almost like they try to put kids in a bubble and you know a protective suit and helmets and just like hey, don't hurt. And you know, we even have names for them. They're called helicopter children or helicopter parents, where the kids are just you know. The parents are holding on to him so tight. And I remember when I was like, and people would probably think that I was, you know, brought up in a bad home. But I remember when I was like seven years old, we would go, you know, walk a few miles down the road by ourselves to go to our friend's house. And we didn't have parents that were, you know, watching every step that we took. And now it's, you know, maybe a, a more sheltered type of environment. But I think it is important. Um, and I have kids of my own. And I try to let them, hey, fall, make mistakes, yeah. you know, get hurt, because you can learn so much more from those experiences when you have failure versus, you know, always having success. 100%. Absolutely. So let's talk after high school. So I'm, I'm going to make the assumption based on based on our conversation that you weren't trying to, to get you know, an NCAA scholarship. You didn't have aspirations to go to the NBA. So didn't happen. Didn't what, happen. Uh, what route did you go? Did you decide to, to go for higher education? Did you decide you wanted to start working? What, what route did you take? Yeah. So I actually, I went to Bible college. I studied theology in first year was in Jackson, Mississippi. And then the remainder of my college was uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I studied theology. If you don't know what theology is, that is the study of God. I believe in God. I'm a person of faith. I thank God for everything that he's blessed me with in my life. And I was on a, a journey to learn more, to find out more about my own personal calling, where God would have me in life. And so it was a a very exciting time in my life in that personal journey and development. And so if you're not familiar with seminary or Bible college, it's basically, it's just studying, um, studying the Bible, studying historical religions and things of that nature. So it's, it's an arts degree has nothing to do with uh, marketing or anything like that. 
But I remember when I was there in college that, and again, I'm dating myself. We didn't have internet back then, (laughs) but the school was setting up an internal network where you would, they were trying to connect the computers on this side of the school to this side of the school. It was done through cables and program and everything like that. And because of my interest, the school had me working um, for them in their, I guess you would call it their computer lab then. And I was setting up the network for um, the school. And uh, again, internet back then was non-existent, but we had what they called bulletin board systems where you would uh, you would get online and you would dial a phone number and it would connect you to uh, a company's bulletin board system. So I put together the uh, school's bulletin board system and, and things like that. So I was still kind of operating in my nerd realm while going to seminary or, or Bible college. Uh, but it was it was a definitely a time of learning and growth um, relationships. But I quickly learned that when I graduated from college, that a degree in theology was not very marketable. There's not a whole lot of companies out there saying, hey, you know, give us a call. if You have a degree in theology. So it was kind of a when it comes to a marketable degree, it was not at the top of the list for a marketable degree. And so that's where I kind of began to search and figure out how I could use those gifts and you know what I enjoyed doing in tech and, and computer and, and science at that point. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And so where, where did that lead you next? Yeah. So, so I, uh, again, having a non-marketable degree puts you in a place where, well, you try to get a job wherever you can just to pay the bills. And so I work various places, you know, I was working at um, grocery stores. I was working at restaurants. I was working, you know, just whatever, wherever I could get a job at. And, you know, again, still having kind of an interest in, tech stuff and maybe at home doing it as a hobby or, or something, but never really, you know, you, when, when you're interested in that and you try to research it, most of the times careers, oh, you need a degree in computer science or, or, you know, something like that. And you're just not qualified to do it. So I never really pursued it, but I, I found, found myself before I kind of like transitioned into the entrepreneur independent, you know, my own business, I found myself working kind of sales positions. I think that's probably one of the uh, the best skills for people to know is sell, you know, how to talk with people in a persuasive way to sell your, your product and service. So I found myself in sales positions. And one of my last jobs that I worked outside of going into the entrepreneur world full time was at a at a company that we would help people put their industry, their, their businesses into merchant processors. And so we uh, would call businesses and you know try to talk to them about signing up for our merchant processing system. And uh, I was good at it. I, I enjoyed it. But the one thing that I didn't enjoy is the supervisor of the company. He would come in there a few times a week and he just just this angry, very bossy, demanding guy. And he would start yelling at people, cussing and just, you know, I I remember he would leave and people at the workplace would be crying because they were so upset at this guy. 
I didn't like it. I didn't like someone just bossing me around and being, you know, angry and pushy and stuff like that. It just didn't mesh well with my personality. But you kind of kind of put up with it just because you need to need a job. But one day I remember he came in and he was just yelling and screaming at everybody. And I, I got up from my desk and I walked up to him and I said, Hey man, you know, people do not like this. The, you know, the way that you're yelling and cussing and just being so you know, bossy and angry. Nobody likes this. And, you know, when you leave, people actually cry. And, you know, that's why people are quitting here so much. I just began to express that to him. Of course, that didn't go over too well. I remember he pointing at my chest. He's like, you know, you talk to me like that, you're going to get fired. As soon as he said that, I was like, man, I'm done. And I just walked out. I was like, no, you don't have to fire me. I'm done. But when I walked away from there, I, I noticed this. It was a multi-million dollar business that this guy ran. Every time he'd pull up in the parking lot, he had this you know, brand new Mercedes, Bentley, whatever it was. He had a beautiful house down on the beach. I remember telling myself, I'm like, man, this guy's a jerk. Nobody's liking, likes him. Nobody wants to be around him. But he is, quote unquote, successful and he has built a, a big business. And so even though he was a jerk, I didn't like working for him. He inspired me <laughs> to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, if he can do it, I can do it too. I love that story. And and yeah, I think, you know, anytime I've worked for a boss like that in a toxic environment, the best decision you could do for your sanity and your health is to leave. You know, it's it's definitely unfortunate that more people are are not figuring those folks out because really where where it is is it's a lack of emotional intelligence yeah. you know they 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 are not self-aware of how they're showing up and it took somebody like you standing up to him that probably I'm sure there was a domino effect after you left of other people absolutely was absolutely right? was yeah I, I, I remember I remember finding uh running into a few people I'm like Hey, how's things going there? Like, we quit too. We quit too. We quit too. So yeah, yeah. Just it was a catalyst. Other people began to leave too. Yeah, because you know, listen, nobody wants to be the first to step up to bully. You yeah. know, like yeah, no absolutely. one wants to be. But you know, you did it. I think in in a way that for one, you broke it down in a way that it was painting a picture for him, where it probably opened his eyes to like, oh wow, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even know I was showing up like this. You know, I think that's. That happens sometimes with people as they're so caught up in in this persona that they've you know derived for themselves that they don't even realize they're operating in that place. Yeah. You know, and then you show up and you actually say it, that probably flipped the script on him. Like, what well, where'd this come from? Yeah. The quiet guy that's not saying anything now is standing up. And so yeah, it was that's why I was like, Yeah, pro- people probably were leaving because you you get the, got the courage to stand up, which gave them the courage to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So what happened after that? So you you say that he inspired you to become an entrepreneur. <laughs> so so did you go to the drawing board? You know what what kind of thoughts were going through your head? Because I I think that's a, a brilliant thing to realize that listen if if this jerk can have success and do well, and yeah. I'm not that. Yeah, I could yeah. probably do it in and build an even bigger business yeah, exactly. just off the fact that you're actually nice and kind to people and you know, you're relating I'm very to nice. I'm <laughs> very nice. <laughs> so, you know, I remember when I was working for him that 
on my lunch breaks and in the evening times that I was playing around with helping businesses set up websites. You know, again, businesses getting online. This was just, this was in its infancy stages. And so I was helping businesses build websites and get that going and stuff. And then when I left, it kind of like hit me. I'm like, man, I, I, I have to, <laughs> to double down on this. And so I really started to become more proactive about reaching out to businesses and going door to door and talking to businesses. Hey, can I build your website? And this was right about the time when Facebook was starting to become a little bit more popular. And uh, in a, a lot of people don't realize this. There was a couple of years of Facebook that nobody knew about Facebook and nobody was doing it. But when it started to become a little bit more well-known, uh, I remember one of my friends was heading off to college and they said, hey, you need to connect with me on Facebook. And then I went on, I looked at it and I remember it was back then Facebook was like a game. It, it really was, it was. It was monetized by games like Farmville and, you know, playing these games. And uh, so when you go on there, you're like, I looked at it, I'm like, Man, this is a game. I don't have time to be playing games. But I set up a profile on Facebook and started looking around. And I remember that I saw a couple businesses that had Facebook pages or profiles representing their business. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And so the first thing that I did is I set up a page for our church, a Facebook page for our church. You know, put up pictures of what's going on in the church, you know, different um, fundraisers we're doing, you know, just something like that. Felt like that was something to do. And I remember the first time I went to church and there was this new family there. And I went up to them, got talking to them. I'm like, where did you hear about us? And they're like, oh, we saw you on Facebook. And it was like a light bulb went off. I was like, wait, these are real people. They found out about me on Facebook and they are here. And at that point, I'm like, this is not a game anymore. This is an opportunity. And so I started doing that. I started building Facebook pages for different types of hobbies and different types of ideas. And I kind of caught on really quickly on how to build these. And of course, back then, organic reach and the algorithm were different. And you could build, you know, I was building Facebook pages of a million in like six or seven weeks. I built a page wow. of a million people. So it was, it was crazy. Yeah. And so I had you know, a portfolio of pages of millions of people and businesses started reaching out to me like, hey, you know, can you help us build our page? And they would do, you know, shout outs. Hey, will you do a shout out on my page? I'm like, yeah. And then I would say, you know, there's a better way to do this. Let me manage your page for you and I'll grow it. And so it just began to evolve from there to, you know, it's like, uh, a couple businesses, and then one business would say, "Hey, this guy's growing my page." And next thing I know, you know, I've got ten or fifteen businesses that are paying me to manage your page. I'm like, I'm in business now. I've got a business, and this is before the days of you know catchphrases like social media marketing agency. I remember when someone first said social media marketing agency. I asked them, "I'm like, what's that?" And they began to explain it to me. I'm like. Okay, I guess that's what I am, <laughs> you know, but that's how it began to evolve into, okay, I'm managing other people's pages, kind of helping them set up ads for their business. And next thing you know, is 
just me by myself at home on my computer doing this and businesses began to reach out to me and ask for help in setting up their page on social media. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you know, the, the trend that I'm seeing here is creating systems, right? That's a big, a big part of what you enjoy to do. You like building infrastructure and systems and yeah. things like that, even, even back to the floppy disk and then to what you did at the college, right? All these things have to do with building infrastructures and systems yeah. and then generating traffic, right? And you figure it out when that person, when a real human showed up, yeah. you got that first piece of traffic yeah. from this page. You said yeah. that light bulb went off. And, and I mean, kudos to you for taking action, right? Because you just went with it and then you started building it up. And then, like you said, once you started to get repetition that repeated business now now you've got a company right you got yeah. you got revenue coming in you know absolutely yeah. so that that's awesome so how has it evolved since then you know because i i know you've worked with some some notable figures right ty lopez grant cardone les brown right you've mm -hmm. worked with some of these folks so how did some of these opportunities come up and did you reach out to them or did they reach out to you because of your content yeah, because of the content that, you created yeah that's it's that's really interesting so I'm probably one of the first guys, notable individuals years ago. So I was, I was doing some work for some businesses in Los Angeles, helping someone get leads for, I think it was like student loans or maybe real estate or something like that. And they were getting, I was helping them get leads. And from what I understand is uh, this individual was at barbershop. And the barber was asking me, yeah, how, how's business going? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm working with this guy down in Florida. And he's really been helping us grow and just man, getting amazing results. And then the next person to get his haircut was Ty Lopez. And the conversation got going. And next thing you know, I have this guy calls me up and he's like, hey, I heard you're growing platforms on social media. You're doing this. Explain to me what you're doing is actually was um, Ty's brother, Ben. And I began to talk with him and, you know, explain what I was doing. And I started pulling his stuff up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely help you out. You know, and I, I can, there's definitely room to um, grow this and got off the phone with him again, didn't know who any of these people were. And about an hour later, he called me up. He's like, Hey, can you fly out to um, Beverly Hills tomorrow? I'm like, tomorrow? It's like, yeah, yeah, we'll take care of everything. Just, you know, we want you to fly out here tomorrow and talk with us. I'm like, okay, grab myself, uh, my, my stuff and flew out to Beverly Hills. And next thing you know, I'm sitting in Ty Lopez's house, having a meeting with them. And from there started working with him. And then that was kind of like the beginnings, beginning stages where, you know, when you begin to work with someone in the entrepreneur space and the personal development that one person begins to tell another person. And again, yeah, yeah before this, I was just, I was one guy at home, you know, little office in my house. I didn't know anything. I didn't know who Ty Lopez, Grant Cardone, Bob Proctor, Les, I didn't know who any of these guys was. I was just, again, doing my own thing online. And I, you know, next thing you know, I have, People, Grant Cardone, Les Brown, and individuals like that begin to call me up or their management, their team. And what I remember in that situation, I just thought it was another person. I didn't realize. And then I was, I'd go online, like, 
man, this guy's got, you know, he's doing all this. This is, this is someone pretty famous. And, and it's like my, my eyes were open to this world of the entrepreneur world, the personal development, the courses and training. And, uh, and it just began a domino effect that one person would say, Hey, you know, this is who I'm working with. This is who you need to work with. And next thing you know, I've got more people calling me than I can handle. And that's where the company begins to grow. I'm hiring on more people and adding people to help me out in this. I love it. I love it. So, you know, I've been telling people a lot recently that, you know, I'm a big believer that we are just one connection away. You know, you're literally one connection away that could change the course of your life, right? Could change the trajectory. I mean, here here you get a call from Ty Lopez's brother that turns into a meeting that turns into a flight that now turns into that domino effect, like you yeah, said. And so it really is really, and, cool. really cool. Yeah, it's it's awesome that that it happened for for you that way. But here's the thing for everybody listening, Paul actually had to do the work, right? Yeah, you yeah. you had to actually to get results, right? Yeah, because it, it's it's great that you got the meeting, but yeah. now you've got to deliver. So tell tell the audience a little bit about was the work you were doing for each of these similar mm-hmm. in the sense of maybe social media management, content strategy, things like that? Or did they all have their own variations of what they wanted you to do for them? Yeah. So I think that all of them kind of had some type of common desires, say, for example, social media growth. You know, it's kind of like people in the industry, they watch each other. You know, So you might have online personality, number one, watching personality number two. And all of a sudden, this guy, he goes from 200,000 followers to 2 million in a month. Then they start talking like, you know, what's going on? What is he doing? And, you know, people start reaching out. I I remember people were watching who I was working with. And I would be at little marketing conferences or, or something like that. And people would get up and they'd start talking and they would throw names out of people. And they're like, Oh man, have you seen how this guy is really growing online? And they begin talking about that. They were noticing it. And I remember I'd, I'd hear that and I'd go up to the guy and I was like, I'm actually managing their stuff. I, you know, when I started with them, this is where they were at. And this is, you know, this is, you're seeing that growth because of what we're doing. And then next thing you know, more people, would reach out to me. But yeah, so it had a lot to do with social media growth and also paid traffic to courses. You know, a lot of these people in personal development have courses and funnels. So we helped build those out and help run paid traffic, Facebook, YouTube, Google, all the popular platforms to make sales for them. So yeah, most of them. And then we did some uh, conference management where we help people get fill the seats at their conferences. It was one of the things that we did with Les Brown, had the privilege of speaking on stage with him several times and help him grow his conferences and manage courses and products and things like that for him too. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're using, you know, paid strategies, uh, organic strategies, and a lot of it's geared towards either growth, monetization, right? And then Obviously, the the branding, right? The the yeah. as the brand grows and scales, more people know about it. So yeah, no, I love that. And so, what are your thoughts, right? You you talked a lot about Facebook pages. So I'm going to jump platforms sure. for a second. Let's sure. let's talk about LinkedIn for a second. It's a platform that 
almost 700 million users. It's uh, only 1% of people are creating content. So there's, there's a lot of opportunity to, to get yeah. some of that organic reach right now. And pages also, um, I've been noticing are a lot more effective if, if you're creating consistent content. So what are your thoughts on a Facebook page today in its current state versus a LinkedIn page today? And where do you put them in terms of value? Yeah, so so this is what I can say about Facebook pages. As much as it hurts me to say it, Facebook pages, the organic reach on them, for the most part, is so small that investing time and content and everything like that, I think you should have content on there. I think you should have a strategy. But as far as your expectations for a strong organic approach that it's going to be very challenging to get organic traffic on uh, Facebook. But on a paid traffic side of things, I believe that Facebook remains one of the cheapest and most effective ways to get traffic, to get an ROI is with Facebook ads. When it comes to LinkedIn, it's kind of the opposite. You do have a great organic reach, and it's also a good system to network with people. I know a lot of times, uh, myself and clients, we have assistants that help do real authentic networking on LinkedIn, connect with businesses, you know, the search criteria that are available to you on LinkedIn versus Facebook. You've got to, you can really narrow down a tighter audience on Facebook, you know, based upon their occupation, the companies they work for, all of those things. So that's a really cool option that is not necessarily available on Facebook. So you got cool strategies that you can use to do organic outreach and also organic posting and things. But when it comes to the paid traffic side of things for LinkedIn, it's a lot more expensive than Facebook. You know, your cost per click is probably at least five times more expensive versus Facebook. Now, some people would argue that the type of traffic that you might get on LinkedIn versus Facebook might be a higher quality, but it has been my experience in trying to generate campaigns that have a strong ROI, for example, in the industry that I do for courses and and products, that it's a lot easier on Facebook versus LinkedIn. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate you sharing the the context and the insights. You know, I've personally never ran paid traffic on to any of my Facebook pages. So these are things that I'm like, okay, well, thanks for breaking that down because now I know the route that I want to at least test out. And so thinking about testing, Mm -hmm. uh, how important is it for you to constantly be testing new strategies? Yeah. So that, you know, I always tell people what worked last year, last month, and even last week may not work today. So there's always changes in, you know, we always use the word algorithm, which just sounds like a monster or something like that. But there's always changes in how these platforms perform. And one of the things that you have to understand for marketing is you want to be, you want to be disruptive. Advertising, you want to be, you want to be different. You want, you want something. Advertising is basically catching somebody's attention. 
and drawing them in. And so this is typically what happens is someone will come up with this really cool creative style of marketing, you know, whether it's the type of video they do, the colors or fonts and, and things like that. And, and they will do it. And it's very disruptive. And you're scrolling through social media and you're like, oh, wow, that really catches my attention. But what marketers do is they're scrolling through and like, whoa, that really catches my attention. That's cool. And so they start doing it. And then the next marketer starts doing it. And, and next thing you know, what you were doing that was once disruptive, everybody, all the other marketers are doing it now. And now it's no longer disruptive because everybody else is doing it. So you have to learn to change and pivot and do something different that would set yourself apart so so there is that challenge of continually learning you know in marketing in ads policies changes um different features become available features are eliminated so you always have to be learning that's one thing that i i constantly try to do is hey gotta learn gotta Keep learning, learn. I, mentors have to have mentors. And so I'm always learning from other people. And you got to keep, keep yourself sharp in the industry. Love that. Great advice. And so on the topics of mentors, I would love for you to give some context to the audience and you know, who have been a, a couple influential people in your life that have helped get you to where you are, right? Because I think for all of us, uh, having a coach is so important. Having somebody that we can count on sometimes whether they may not be coaching, but they may be giving you some advice, mentoring you. So are there a couple of people you can think of that have really helped pave the way for you and helped get you where you are? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the cool thing about working with some of the top guys in the industry is not only am I working for them, but I'm also learning from them. So, you know, to work with Ty Lopez and to sit down and have lunch with him and have a conversation with him and be able to talk to him, that is huge value. Same with guys like Grant Cardone and Les Brown to just be able to sit down and have dinner with them and talk with them and learn from them and, and pick their brain. That is a huge opportunity uh, for mentorship that I, I've been very, very fortunate to have because you know, individuals like that are not a, a cheap thing to get for a mentor, but by having relationships with them and working with them, I've learned from them. I've had conversations with them. I've talked with them. I've you know, uh, been fortunate to, to work with them in very different levels of, of business. So, so they've definitely been mentors and teachers in my life. And not only that, just the you know, reading and taking courses from other people. I'm always, I remember a, a young man by the name of Hernan. I saw his ad and I bought one of his courses and he sent me a message. He's like, hey man, I saw you just bought my course. I was like, yeah. He's like, man, you didn't have to do that. I would have given you my course. He was just so excited that I bought his course. And I was like, no man, I, I, I want to learn. And uh, I, I, believe in what I teach. You got to put your money where your mouth is. And I bought the course. And, you know, when you invest in it, you're more likely to take action. So uh, there's a lot of great marketers out there that I buy their courses. I learn from them. And, uh, you know, I, I, I keep that relationship going. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I love that. Definitely, definitely good advice. And I'm a big 
big believer that we never stop learning, right? I think the the day that uh, we stop learning it is is the end for us. I, right? I mean, it, I mean it's, so, yeah, it's so rewarding when you learn something. Yeah. 100 percent. Because when you can learn it and then you can teach it, you know, in Japan they say teaching is learning twice, right? So when you yeah. when you've taught it to somebody, you're you're relearning it yeah. again as well. So you get kind of the the triple threat there, you know, learn it and teach it twice. So I would love to, uh, in closing, so now that you've, you've been able to scale, right? Cause you talked a lot about just being you in an office, you're managing all these accounts, you're, you're starting to grow. So what are some, uh, uh pieces of advice that you would give people that are listening that maybe are, are solo entrepreneurs that want to start adding on people to their team? Yeah. What are some tips that you would give on the ways that maybe you manage people that would add value to the audience? Yeah. So what what I do, you know, having a, a large company with multiple divisions and stuff is I manage people who manage people, you know, so from an upper level of management, you want to be able to hire people that also have the ability to manage other people. Um, otherwise, you know, if you're wanting to grow, you can, it might hurt your ego a little bit, but you can't manage 100 people. It's just, you're going to burn out. It's not going to be possible. You're not going to be effective. So you got to be able to find, okay, can I find 10 people that can manage 10 people? And so you manage people who manage people. And a lot of times that comes through, you know, some of the top people on my team have been individuals that I have personally mentored. You know, they connected with me for mentorship, for coaching. And the next thing you know, I'm like, hey, I think you'd be a great asset to our team. I've had individuals that jump on board working with me as, you know, just volunteering and wanting to to get connected. I'm like, Man, you got, you're doing a great job and you bring them on full time um, to the company and they're just, you know. So, yeah, I think number one, when you when you're hiring people, people, they don't just want to work for you, but they want to be a part of something bigger. They want to, you know, a tribe, a community. They want to connect with a vision that is bigger than them. So it's important to have a clear vision about where you're going and what you're doing. And uh, my personal way of doing things is uh, I don't see myself as just an internet marketer or something like that. But I see myself as someone that is helping and serving and solving problems. For people. So when you look at that, that you're not just an internet marketer trying to make money, but you're actually helping people. You have to learn when to say no. Like if you look at someone, you're like, I don't know if I can really help them. Say no. It's it, You don't need another person, another client or anything like that. You got to be able to say, can I sincerely really help someone? And when you have that in its proper perspective, uh, it makes business a lot more enjoyable for everybody. Number one, you, you're helping people. And then the people that you help, they're so much more appreciative and they get the value of working for you. That is awesome. Appreciate those tips. And this has really been great having you on the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. And uh, for the audience, I would love to have you share with them. Where are the best places to reach out and connect with you? Is it the website? Is it on social? I know you're very active. Yes. And then I did have one follow-up question after you share this with everybody. Okay. Yeah. So the best place to get a hold of me is on Instagram. My Instagram handle is Paul, just P-A-U-L 
Um, send me a message on Instagram. I'm always in the DMs and I'm connecting with people there. You can also visit me on my website. My website is paulgetter.com and you can find out all about me, set up a call, do whatever you want to do there. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And and I actually have two questions now because okay. because of your handle on Instagram, I need some context here. So how did you get at Paul? I mean, was, was this, did you get this because you were the first person to ask for it? Did Instagram have to, to reward it to you? I, I'm just very curious because you don't see many, you know what I'm saying? You don't see many handles where, you know, you're verified, you've got just your first name. So yeah. how, how did this end up happening? I'm the internet marketing nerd. I mean, that's <laughs> not, so I think it has to do with how long I've been around on um, social media that being able to get access to that was because I've been around a long time. A lot of my friends that I, I work with and, and stuff, people within our company also have uh, the one word usernames too. So it's just being around a long time and having connections with the right people. Sure. No, you paid, paid your dues, right? Yeah, they pay, yeah, paid your dues and yeah, they awarded you, you it. So it, you spend enough money with Mark Zuckerberg, he'll do favors. <laughs> for you, yeah, right. No, that's that's awesome. And and so the the other question would be, I see on Instagram you're you're doing a lot of these really creative slide decks where you're sure. giving you're giving people different tips and you've got a different Marvel character on yeah. there. So yeah. we're gonna jump into your inner nerd here and let's. And so who is your top three Marvel characters? Iron Man is number one, Captain America, number two, and Black Panther, number three. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And we're going to have to do a round two down the road, maybe in a (laughs) future season, because I didn't get to chat with you in in the studio that has that life-size iron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're going to have to do this again. And because I I need to see that, I need to check that studio out, man. So absolutely. we're we're here at the clubhouse and doing construction back at the office. So yeah, we'll we'll have to do one at the Marvel studio. (laughs) There we go. That'd be awesome. Well, hey, listen, this has been great. I really appreciate you coming on the show, hanging out and and really sharing a lot of value with the audience today. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure, Jordan. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Take care. All right. Have a great day. You too.